back to the breakfast show. You are here with Mon and Rick. Rick, Rick, Rick. <laughs> Rick, 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 Rick. <laughs> Mon, Mon, Mon. <laughs> Love it. Oh, ooh, hang on. It's time for the quiz. Yes. What am I doing? Push faffing around. I'm faffing around. I'm a professional faffer. Did you know that, Rick? I've never heard of that word. Really? You never heard of faffing around? Like you, like you just like mucking around. You just scattered and oh, yeah, just yeah, can't yeah. get yourself organised, yeah. and you take forever to do everything. That's me, <laughs> me to a T. Okay, we're up to question number four of our pentathlon quiz. This is worth four hundred points. What relative did Jesus's mother Mary stay with while she was expecting? Expecting a baby. What relative did Jesus' mother Mary stay with while she was expecting, mm, while she was pregnant? Give us a call if you think you know the answer. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You can give us a text as well if you like. DJ Shell will collect all your texts up and you can win a prize. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. It's time for our 20 million movement Bible study. Let's jump into this encounter with God. We do this with 20 million other people around the world at the same That's time. Right. We are deep in the book of Hebrews. We are. Mon, can yes. you read for us Hebrews? Just four more verses. But yeah. We're in chapter 6. Yeah. Hebrews 6, 4 to 8. Hebrews 6, verses 4 to 8. Here we go. But it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again <clears throat> and holding him up to public shame. That's pretty scary. It is. Yeah. Um, a number of, yeah, so <clears throat> a number of, it's like crucifying Christ again. A number of authors have suggested that this is one of the most terrible passages in Scripture, actually. I can see why. Um, it begins... It's really interesting. It begins with a list of privileges. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it starts out, it's impossible to renew to repentance those who are enlightened. Da, da, da. Then it goes on with these privileges. The Christian, so I've just got some points here. The Christian has been enlightened. That's an interesting word, isn't it? Yeah. And en- en- Enlightened. Uh, it's, it's, a new, it's actually a common New Testament idea. Um, it goes back to the picture of Jesus as I'm the light of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, lights every person, uh, sorry, the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So it's, it's a really important one. But also what, <clears throat> what, when I was reading this, some of the background to this, it's in, uh, the word enlightenment um, has beca- became a synonym for baptism. Baptism and enlightenment. The verb to be enlightened became a synonym to be baptised. So the person who was enlightened was a person who was also baptised. So I just yeah. found I just found that interesting. So it's in the Christian is enlightened. The Christian has tasted a free gift that comes from heaven. Okay. That's another one of these positive ones. Because we're going to talk about the other side of the coin after we've talked about the positive side of the, you know. Um, it's only through Christ that we can have peace with God. Forgiveness is something we can never deserve or merit. Amen. Big point. Yeah. There's nothing in the kingdom that will bring to God and say, <clears throat> hey, I got my 1% in, eh? <laughs> <laughs> we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but it's the work of Christ in and through us. So it's a free gift. 
It only comes, it is only when he comes up to the cross that is us. It's only when we come to the cross that our burdens are rolled away. The Christian is a person who knows the immeasurable relief of experiencing the free gift of God. It's powerful stuff. So that's a real positive. Third one, the Christian is a sharer in the Holy Spirit. So this is going back to those four verses. I'm just picking the heart out of there. The Christian is a person who has in their life a new directive, power and presence. It's You remember how we used to call turning over a new leaf? Yes. Um, I always wondered, you know, that's not hard. I mean... <laughs> I just grab a leaf by the stem and flick it over. I'm a gardener. I, I get <laughs> Turn out. leaves over all day long. We have synthetic grass, we, synthetic turf. We, we don't have... We, we lived on farms and a lot of mowing and that. And we thought, when we... Let's live in our caravan, travel around, enjoy that and not have to think for the last... 29 days out of the 30 days we're away, this is my thinking, Uh I've got to go back and mow the lawn. (laughs) (laughs) So we have rhyolite gravel, Mm -hmm. which is the white rock. Yeah. And you've got to come and watch it one day. And our succulent guards, we have rhyolite gravel and synthetic turf. And when we put it down, they were building next door. This has got really nothing. Well, maybe it has got something to do with this. A young chap was just watching me with my air blower Mm. out on the synthetic turf, and he didn't realise it was synthetic turf. He was just too far away. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm mowing my garden. <laughs> <laughs> but the point I'm getting to is... They'd be flipping over leaves yeah, in front and with an air blower. It was flipping over the leaves. Yeah. And um, the, the idea of turning over, turning over a new leaf um, is a new life. It's a new life. The Christian has a new life. And a sharer in the spirit, the Holy Spirit, a new directive, a new power, and a new presence, and has discovered the presence of a power that can tell him or her what to do and enable them to do it. So that's another point. The fourth one is the, that these passages is talking about these these verses. The Christian has tasted the fair word of God. I never worked that one out, but I read through it. It's another way of saying the Christian has discovered the truth. Yeah. So it's sort of building this edifice of positive things to then go in and say uh, the hard words. It's Mm. like, let's talk about the good news first and then I'm going to share some of the difficult stuff Paul is saying. The Christian is a person who's tasted the powers of the world to come. Uh, The Jew and the Christian divided things into two ages uh, they believe the present age was sinful, evil, and the world to come is going to be a better place. Someday God will break in and intervene in those places and make it a much better judgment, all of those sorts of things. Okay, so the writer, Paul, is setting out this shining catalogue, if you like, of Christian blessedness, the good stuff. And then at the end of it, there comes this, oops, stop, um, speaks about who then have become apostates and fallen away. So that's what we're sort of we're, we're sort of talking through. What does he mean when he says, and this is the struggle part of the text, folks, what does it mean when he says it's impossible for those who have become apostates that they can ever be renewed to repentance? Do you know, we sometimes talk about grieving the spirit. Mm, yeah. These sort of things. Um, and many theologians have tried 
to get around this. And maybe we should leave that for our next part of this. <laughs> but, but, you know, the Scriptures is a two-edged sword. It, it, it reveals, it cuts. Yeah. It cuts um, to the depth of our being. This is definitely a cutting part. This, yeah. So <laughs> if you're reading through that, hey, this is really good stuff. I'm going with Paul. And then he just gives this oh, like a rebuke, a, a big reminder that um, there's some serious stuff happening and we've got to talk about this. Um, and as I said, many thinkers have tried to find a way around the word impossible. Did your did your Yeah, mine says impossible. It says impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Yeah. It's very damning. We're, we're, we're going to talk some more of that, about that because it's it's not a text that we're, that we're easily comfortable with, uh, but it's really in-your-face uh, theology. And so we're going to work through that. And I'm just going to talk about a couple of characters that have sort of, have they sidestepped the issue and just tried to make it a little bit easier? But I think that's what Scripture does for us. It's, there's some hard sayings. Uh, when Jesus said, hey, look, uh, take up my cross and follow me, he wasn't, this, this wasn't little uh, fairy stories. Yeah. He was really saying, how committed are you? Yeah, and so I see what Paul is saying here in this really tough stuff. He set a platform out for it, and then he starts to answer this answer this himself. So, on our next round, uh, we've got another encounter or two. We might yes. just delve into some of those hard sayings. Okay, cool. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Let's dive in. All right. A character that lived many years ago was called Erasmus. He actually did some translations, was a very interesting character. The word impossible is adonaton, um, and he's interpreted that as difficult. Okay. Now, Mondi... Difficult is a long way from impossible. Yes. Um, You remember the song, All Things Are Possible, Mm -hmm. we used to sing... Well, all things are difficult too, but there is a distinct <laughs> difference between that. Um, it was taken, yeah, difficult, difficult almost to the point of impossibility. Another chap called Bengal held that it was impossible for man, but was possible for God. Amen. Okay. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. We, we must leave those who have fallen away to the mercy of God's singular love and influence. But Barclay, who I've been reading, would suggest we must remember the context, and this is why it's just so valuable. What was the context when Paul was writing? Well, it was written in an age of persecution. Mm. Big point. I, I was reading somewhere, you should never say that somewhere. <laughs> I always used to tell my students, quote it properly. Um, <laughs> quote it properly. Um, it's in Wikipedia. Don't use Wikipedia. <laughs> um, has there ever been a time in Earth's history without persecution? Possibly not. Yeah, I don't think so. When have we ever been at peace globally? And how do you define persecution? I mean, warring with one another in relationships. Anyways, um, in any age of persecution, apostasy is a supreme sin. Just In any age of persecution, a person can save their life by denying Christ. You think of Peter, you know... Who is that? Do you know him? No. All right, I'll ask you again. But difficult. Do you know? That whole, that's another story. But but what was the transformation in Peter's experience? 
pre and post Calvary. Exactly. It's so powerful. Yeah, and, and he denied him three times and yet he came back around again. So you can't say that was impossible. Impossible, mm. impossible yeah. In any age of persecution, a person can save their life by denying Christ. But every person who, to save their life or comfort, denies Christ, aims a body blow at the church, for it means that their life and comfort are dearer them than the experience of Jesus. That's hard saying. Yeah, you know we we talk about the hypotheticals in the Christian experience. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> we do, we do that especially when we think about the children of Israel. Oh yeah. Oh, what do, a bunch do, of idiots! Hey, Could never be like that. Do you ever get frustrated <laughs> with the disciples? Oh, yes. <laughs> seriously, how would you do that? If I was with Jesus, I wouldn't have done. That. We all we all think we'd be so perfect yeah. if we were in Bible times. Yes. Yeah. We yeah. have perfect faith and <laughs> yeah. never do anything wrong, and yet. We we, it's our story, really, isn't it? And here we are 2,000 years later, and for many of us, having read the portions of Scripture over and over again, but in our own way, we do exactly what exactly. the disciples are doing. Yeah. And Jesus stays with us. But this sort of comments made here about uh, the, you know, the rejection of Christ that Paul is talking about is, is hard stuff. Um, the, one of the questions that comes out of this is is jesus more important than any other thing in your experience and if he if he's not would that give then leave for you at some point to persecute him again and i go rick would you ever do that no i wouldn't do that i wouldn't deny him i tell you what i it, it it's a battle of the spiritual mind mm. to, to to say bombastically i would never deny him we only have to learn from those who have gone before us. I also think that we don't really know ourselves until we're in the situation. We can say we would do one thing all day long, but until we actually yeah. live it, the litmus test. Yeah, the litmus test. That's it. Yeah, and and none of us pray that that you know we we the scriptures talk about refining in the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to get bent over an anvil, <laughs> battered. But you know, we've had some experiences um, in in our in our life with with real tra- you know. Our daughter, you know, our daughter fell over a hundred foot over a cliff on Pitcairn onto the rocks. Mm-hmm. It was just a whole story, and our son burned in Papua New Guinea, and and a lot of things came unstuck uh, for us um, doing doing the work of God. Um, and, and God, through a number of years, has been saying, <clears throat> "Rick, I never said that I would protect you from all that, but I did say I'll be with you in all of that." Mm-hmm. You know what? That took about 20 years mm. theologically mm-hmm. to get that into the experience and say, I trust God for that. Yeah. You know, that, that level where it says, do you trust me no matter what? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I trust you and it's good. <laughs> oh, that's not so good. Um, do I still trust God? So they're big questions. The writer of the Hebrews goes on to say a tremendous thing that those who fall away deny Christ. They crucify Christ again. That, that's just... That's something you don't want to do. How ever. do you understand? Yeah. yeah. How, do, how do we understand that? He saw... Paul saw the cross as an event which opens a window into the heart of God. Isn't that beautiful terminology? A window. We've got our windows open here because we need that fresh yeah. air. <laughs> a window into the heart of God. Paul saw that the cross is the showing in a moment of time 
that which was happening in God's being throughout all eternity. It's just very flowery. There's a song could be written on this. The cross showed in one moment that the suffering love, which is forever and forever, is in the heart of God. So don't underestimate yourself, people. At, uh, the cross said to humanity, that is how I've always loved you and always loved and will always love you. And this is what your sin does to me and always has done to me and will always do to me. This is the only way I can ever redeem men. Humanity's sins have always done this to me and always do this to me until there is no more sin. So this, yeah, there's probably some other stories I could share in there, but time won't allow us to do that. Uh, there's something really tremendous here. In God's heart, there is forever and ever so long as there is sin, there is agony and suffering and redeeming love. When we sin, it's like re-crucifying Christ. Sin does not only break God's law, it continues to break his heart and he calls his way. So that's why I'm looking forward to a time where no more crying, no more death, no more pain for all these things will be passed away. Amen. And uh, restoration as well. Restoration. Yeah. You well, know, the things that have happened for them to be restored. Yeah. That's that's Ellen White, because most of my adult research life has been with Ellen White and Adventism. Her, the great controversy theme to me is restoration mm-hmm. in, in principle. God's not dealing with the sin problem. He's restoring us back to where we were. And sin has just corrupted that so immensely. And yet... The image of God is still seen in us if we remain in Christ. It's really powerful. Yeah, it's kind of mind-blowing. It is. is. It's a privilege, yeah. To think that the image of God could be seen in someone like me and I know who I am and I'm like, more. Yeah. Mon, do you... you, Oh, can I move on? Do you think sometimes we get in the road of ourselves? Oh, absolutely. I think it's us in the road of ourselves more than anyone else, to be honest. Yeah, God's saying, let me peel you back like an onion. Yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back. You're listening to The Faith FM Breakfast Show. We are two-thirds of the way through our Encounter with God section. We are checking out some difficult verses in the book of Hebrews. Yeah, we were talking about that. Just read that one again for us, Kenya Mon, that difficult part of the passage. Uh, Verses 4 to 8. And then the quiz. Oh, sorry, the quiz. Oh, let, let me quickly do the do quiz the, do, first. Do, do, do yeah. the quiz. I was distracted by the question of the day that's coming up. I was like, oh, that's a Ooh. curly one. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay. The last quiz question this morning goes like this. The blood of Jesus should be on what two groups of people according to the crowd at Jesus' crucifixion? The blood of Jesus should be on what two groups of people according to the crowd at Jesus' crucifixion? A little clue if you're looking for the answer. It's in Matthew, the book ah. of Matthew. So, yeah, give us a call, 0491064669. Collect some prizes up. Yeah, great prizes. Indeed. So, Matthew, I'm uh, sorry, not Matthew, <laughs> Hebrews 6, verses 4 to 8. Yeah, just again, if you could. Yeah, sure. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance 
By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it is God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. I forgot to do those last few verses last time. Yeah, it's yeah. A sort of a strong, heavy language. <laughs> yeah, but this seems to be getting worse. <laughs> yeah. So, so Paul's saying that um, those who deny Christ actually, actually deny him. Those Christians who deny Christ are crucifying him again. Yeah. Um, I was reading a story um, that sort of gives an, in, an insight into this. Uh, the Quo Vadis legend. The Quo Vadis oh, legend tells how in the uh, Neuronic persecution, Peter was caught in Rome. I'm going to read this one. And Peter's courage failed. He fled for his life. Down the Appian Way he fled, all courage lost. Suddenly there was a figure standing in his path. And Peter looked up, and it was Jesus yeah, well. himself. Uh, Domine, said Peter, Quo Vardis, Lord, where are you going? Oh, isn't that a big question? It is. Where are you going? Back came the answer. I'm going to Rome to be crucified again, this time in your stead. And Peter, shamed into her hero, uh, heroism, turned and returned to Rome and died a martyr's death. Late on in Roman history, there was an emperor who tried to put the clock back. His name was Julian. He wished to destroy Christianity and bring back the old ways and the old gods. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Destroy Christianity. But it ended in defeat. Ibsen makes him say, where is he now? He has been at work elsewhere since that happened at Golgotha. Where is he now? What if that at Golgotha near Jerusalem was simply a wayside matter, a thing done, as it were, in the passing? What if he goes on and on, suffers and dies and conquers again and again from world to world? There's a certain truth here. At the back of the thought of the writers to the Hebrew, there is one of the most tremendous conceptions in all Christian thought. The cross was centre stage of all of history. And I shared a few thoughts. It showed in one moment the time of the suffering love of, uh, of Jesus, which is forever and ever in the heart of God. So if we go down a little bit further... He's saying, when we fall away from Christ, we mock Christ. Yeah, wow. When we fall away. Now, this is not talking. This is not talking on about we trip and fall, we sin. Mm. This is the deliberate giving up. Okay, okay. This is the impossible. We turn our back on we him. We turn our back Make a conscious decision to say, no, nah, I'm done with that. And God even comes back and keeps, you know, the... the, the Conscience, you know, like a hot iron sears. Mm. And at some point, you know, I often wondered about Noah and the flood. Um, there was a point of time where God said, that's enough. I can tolerate this no more. When he comes again, it's another, that's enough. But the difference is, this is the last time. And and um, it's, it's saying, when we fall away, we make a mocking show of Christ. We put him to open shame. How does that happen? When we sin and turn away from Christ, the world says, so that's all that Christ is worth. Mm. I hadn't thought about that. Gosh, is that yeah. all that Christianity is worth? Really, eh? Yeah, well. Just flip it up, flip, mm -hmm. you know, hey, easy come, easy go. So that is all that Christ can do. That is all that Christ is. So that is all that the cross achieved. Um, he's... 
a person shames their Lord and makes humanity laugh at the cross. To come back from that, it seems that the apostle is saying that's impossible. So there comes a point where we've said, no more God, I'm finished with you. And uh, that's what he's talking about. But we may note another final thing. It's been pointed out that in the letter to the Hebrews, there are four impossible things. I found this. There's the impossibility in this passage. It's impossible for God to lie. So Hebrews, I never saw this in Hebrews. It's impossible for God to lie. Wouldn't I love someone that to say that of me? (laughs) (laughs) There's no guile found in their mouth. There's, yeah, it's wow. impossible for God to lie. Where did I go? Did I lose? Oh, I think the the wind blew a page over. There you go. That's in six eighteen, which I won't get to, but someone may. It's impossible that the blood of sheep and goats should take away sin. Oh, that's an interesting one. The high, you, you know, the high priestly ministry was symbolic mm-hmm. of Christ. Without faith, this is in chapter 11, and I'm, someone's going to talk about this down the track. And I don't know whether they'll pursue these areas, but without faith, is it, it is impossible to, can you remember? Please God. Oh, okay, yeah. Without faith. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, ties into this sort of theme here. What do we do, folks, when we give up on God mm. and say, God, I want you no longer a part of me. They've got to be some of the most tragic words. We crucify Christ again because Christ has made a public scorn. So, yeah, it's a heavy one. And I think we could share a lot more about that. And I I, I would encourage our listeners to just invest their time and energies in in, in understanding that and pursuing that. Um, God's never going to abandon us unless we don't open the door. That's true. He just wants to, he wants to come in and fellowship with us, sup with us. Yeah, and I, and I think there's also maybe a message of hope that we need to give that even if you have been a follower of Christ and you've turned away from him, yep, uh, you can always come absolutely. back. Yeah. If absolutely. If you want to come back, he's absolutely waiting with open arms to take you back. He's actually wanting to draw you back all the time mm. because if you're even thinking about that, that's the work of the Spirit. Yeah, that's right. Prompting you. Exactly. He's prompting you. Yeah. Come on, I'm here. Mm-hmm. So um, if God's not there, guess who's walked away? Yeah, it's not not him. Not him. Not him. Never. He's always Never. waiting for us. Thank you so much for leading out for us, Rick, in our Encounter with God section. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back to The Faith FM Breakfast Show. I am about to give you all the answers to the pentathlon quiz. So, first one, the three faithful young men that were sent to die for not obeying the king, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were sent to the fiery furnace. The kind of tree that Zacchaeus climbed in order to see Jesus was a sycamore fig. The man who was called Israel's teacher but had a secret meeting with the best teacher of all was Nicodemus, and he went to see Jesus, just in case you wondered who the best teacher was. The relative that Mary stayed with while she was expecting Jesus was Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And final question, the blood of Jesus should be on the two groups of people according to the crowd of Jesus' crucifixion were us and our children. And that was found in Matthew 27, verse 25. Mm. 
So I hope you got them all right. If you did, you've got some prizes coming or just some bragging rights, either which way. <laughs> <laughs> it's now time for our... Question of the day. Just makes you want to do yeah. it, doesn't it? <laughs> we've had, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we've had quite a few questions coming today, and we will be getting back to all of them, um, especially the ones uh, asked in regards to the Holocaust interview. But we are going to be asking one that is in relation to our encounter with God section today. Um, we're talking about impossible and forgiveness and this kind of yeah. thing. And the question that's coming is, what is the unpardonable sin? That's an interesting one because Jesus warns in three places, that is Matthew 12, Mark 3, and Luke 12 about the unpardonable sin. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. And with that, there's been, there's been essentially four different views. Okay, I'm going to go through this really quickly. So one is that uh, the unpardonable sin is commit a really bad thing, adultery, murder, lie, da, 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 da. Two, assert what is false about the spirit. Three, attribute spirit-empowered miracles to Satan. Or a fourth view that I sort of feel uh, res- resonate with, um, that is decisively reject the clear truth of, of the spirit revealed about Jesus. Mm. Um it's evil intention resisting God's truth. There comes a point where no more. It's just a total resisting. They reject the clear spirit revealed truth about Jesus uh, by attributing his works to something else or totally de-acknowledging Jesus. So that is one of the, the grievous sins that uh, can't be forgiven. They continue to rebel against Christ and the promptings of the spirit until they pass, they die. And... Um, can't be figured. So it's not an accidental, impulsive, or unguarded slip of the tongue. It's a deliberate repudiation of the truth of Christ. Yeah. If you're worried about committing it, then it's unlikely that you've committed it. But if you don't care that you've committed it, then you might be in dangerous territory. And it's interesting that God responds at times by hardening the hearer's heart, you know, like Pharaoh. Mm. So it becomes the sin is unforgivable because God never enables that person to repent and believe again. It's, it's just, yeah. We've actually had a listener um, chime in. We've got a text message from Tim, and he says, basically, you can't renew someone back to Christ they, if they've heard it all before. The person has to humble themselves to find a way back like the prodigal son did. Mm. Mm, good point, Tim. Yeah. Work of the Spirit. It's the work of God. Um, we, we, can't, we can't do that stuff. It's got to be prompted by the Spirit. And so, oh, yeah, it's a ministry thing. I'd be suggesting to folks out there, um, if, if, if you're feeling at some point that, oh, look, I've, I've, I've done this grievous thing, uh, if you're being prompted by the Spirit, you've not grieved the, God, the Spirit of God. Yeah. You're hearing it. If you have a question, give us a text or a call or an email, 0491-064-669. Our website is faithfm.com.au. You can find the contact form on there and you just send in any of your questions that you like. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this is our last show together uh, for Rick and uh, Mon. It's been great. Yes, next week we'll have back Lyle and Lawson. Well, maybe not Lawson, but definitely Lyle, which uh, I'm sure our listeners will be very grateful for. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. We appreciate you listening. And don't forget, if you talk faith, live faith, and act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Amen. God be with you till we meet again. 
for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.